in prayer, God, God began to speak to me a couple of weeks ago about this service. I didn't even know I'd be preaching. And he said he was going to move in a supernatural way in somebody's life today. And so I was like, yes, Lord, I'm excited about this. And then he goes off and gives me a love story to preach. So y'all just going to have to bear with me. I'm just trying to be obedient to the word of the Lord. God never really works according to how we think he ought to work. But he has never failed me. He has never failed you. If you were to sit down and we were to examine your life, you would see where God has really never failed you. So this morning, I'm going to preach to you from Hosea. I've never preached out of the book of Hosea. This is a first for me. So uh, y'all need to help me out this morning. I'm going to read to you from Hosea 3 and verse 3. And it says, I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot and thou shalt not be for another man so will I also be for thee. I want to talk to you for a brief moment this morning, and I want to take a quick glimpse into the life of Hosea. And the title of my sermon is going to be called, A Love Renewed. A Love Renewed. Lord, your word is already anointed. By simply speaking your word, the anointing goes forth. But I pray that this morning you would anoint my lips of clay. God, I'm just a feeble man trying to do the work that you have put me here to do. I'm proud to be a preacher, God. I'm proud to call you my God. I'm proud of what I do, God. And I pray this morning that your hands would move upon this sanctuary and that you would begin to seep into the minds and the hearts of everyone here. God, you know everybody's situation here. And you and only you know how to really talk to them. And I pray that you would begin to do that through your word to the, this morning. In your precious and holy name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Hosea was the first of what they called the minor prophets. Often we do not recognize the derivation or the, the, the meaning of his name, but if his name was to be pronounced in the English language today, he would be called Joseph. And his name is related to the name of Joshua, which means salvation. Hosea was a young preacher in the nation of Israel the northern kingdom, and he was living at the same time as the prophets of Isaiah and Amos. He lived, as we were told in the first verse of Hosea, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. And during the reign of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, Jeroboam was one of the wicked kings of Israel, and the nation was going through a difficult time when Hosea was starting his ministry. People were living it up, and as we might say today, they were just having a good time, and they didn't have much time for God. They wouldn't have said that, of course, because nobody really says that. They're not going to tell you the truth. Instead, they may have said some things like we say today, that it was just a case of not having quite enough time to meet the demands that God has upon me. I've got work, I've got family, I've got 
children. I've got a husband. I've got a wife. I've got, I've got responsibilities. And God, you're, you're really asking me to do things that I don't have time to do. And they were in this same mindset. They were so busy with so many other important things. Their spirit was willing, but their flesh was ready for the weekend. So as always, people didn't pay much attention to Hosea. He spoke of judgment and chastisement, and nobody really wanted to hear that. Why are you going to be a a, a party pooper, Hosea? Why are you going to come in here and bust the bubble? Can't you see we're excited and and happy, and you're going to come in here preaching judgment and chastisement? I don't want to hear it. He said that God was going to raise up the Assyrian nation to punish this people with a fiery and ruthless army. And they would begin to sweep through the nation across the land like a plague. But the people paid little attention to him. And they said that Hosea's God must be a pretty vengeful God to say something like that. What kind of God would say those kind of things? But the people continued to pay little attention. Hosea tried to tell them that God wasn't like that. He said that God was a God of love and that he was doing this very act that he was doing because he loved them like no other God could love them. And he wanted to to see them succeeding. He wanted to see them moving off the path that they were on. And so he began to make things rough on the very people that he called his own. But they didn't pay any more attention than people do today about things like that. Instead, they blamed God. And they said, if God is really a good God, and if he's really a God of love, then why does he let such bad things happen to people? Why does he let such bad things happen to to good people? How could a God of love ever send a ruthless people like the Assyrians down upon our land, is what they said. And so young Hosea found that his audience was diminishing People were polite to his face. I suppose they sneered behind his back. He found that he was being given the nice and harmless treatment, but when he turned away, he was that crazy guy that really wanted something that could never give him. So Hosea is rather discouraged. And in the opening chapter of this little book of prophecy, we read a personal note about him. He went to God, and God told him, To do a very strange thing. God said, Hosea, I want you to get married. I think Hosea might have brightened up because, you know, he was was sitting here. He's a bachelor, always talking to and from God. He was by himself. And God said, I have a girl picked out for you. And when he mentioned her name, Hosea's heart must have fluttered because the name of this girl was Gomer. The most beautiful girl in Israel. Hosea was definitely interested. God had definitely gotten the interest of Hosea. But God said to him something very strange. He said, I want you to know the whole story about this girl, Hosea. I want you to marry her. But she's going to be unfaithful to you. In fact, she will become nothing but a common street prostitute. But I want you to marry her anyways. And I want you to love her. Now, undoubtedly, Hosea was very puzzled by God's strange command. I'm sure just as Abraham was 
puzzled by God's command to take his son to a mountain and sacrifice him. God does strange things at times, things that we don't always understand, things we can't categorize, things we don't, that really don't fit into the God we think we know. And this is one of those strange things. He told Hosea, I, I want you to marry this girl and she's going to be a harlot, a common street prostitute, but you're going to have three children with her, two boys and a girl. And when they were born... When they are born, I want to name them Hosea. Perhaps Hosea then began to understand a little bit about what God was trying to do. He knew it was common and it was customary in Israel to teach by symbols. God often used this method to to instruct his people and for the instruction of his people. And that names were very, very important to the children of Israel. God often used the meanings of names to teach Israel certain truths. And now God was planning to use this prophet and his little family as an object lesson for the people that he loved so much. This was happening also with his friends, Isaiah, down in the, in the southern kingdom. Isaiah also had two boys. Their names are very tough to pronounce, so forgive me if I mess them up. The younger boy's name was Shari. Sharir Jashub, which means a remnant shall return. That was God's promise to Israel that even though they were taken into captivity, a remnant would come back to them. The older boy of Isaiah was named Mahir Shalah Hasbaz. I don't know, I don't know how the mom called him in for lunch, but I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't full names. But this name meant Haste to the prey, or haste to the spoil. And it was God's prophetic way of telling the nation that they were in deep trouble. But he also comforted them by the words, a remnant shall return. So Hosea went courting. Sure enough, Gomer was attracted by this shy young man. He was, he was attractive. And Gomer began to fall in love with this young man. And he began to court her, and he began to woo her. To his great relief, one day he knelt down and he said, will you marry me? And she said, I do, and I will. And they got married, and I'm sure it was a wonderful relationship. That's what it describes. At first, and it was heaven on earth. Hosea, Hosea's love for this girl, it just goes beyond I mean, read it. You can't read this prophecy without seeing how much he loved her. They must have been wonderfully happy together, fallen in love. And they were, they were meant to be. God put them together, and they experienced that love. And then, and then Gomer had her first child. It was a baby boy. Wow. It was just like God had said, and... And God said, Hosea's heart was filled to bursting. And he went to God for the name of this boy. And what shall I name this lad, O Lord? What shall his name be? And I, and I can relate. I've ha- I have three boys. And I can relate to that feeling of seeing that little baby boy cry. And the pride that, that he must have felt. And the accomplishment that he felt. And to his surprise, God picked the name Jezreel. Jezreel. 
Now Jezreel means cast away. And it was a name of shame in Israel. Do you remember the bloody story of Queen Jezebel and Ahab? Ahab cheated his neighbor out of the property and stole his neighbor's vineyard. And Jezebel was the wicked queen who put him up to it. At last, God's judgment fell on her. She was looking out of her upper story window. And the general Jehu was down in the courtyard. And he ordered his servants to shove her and to cast her from that window. They threw her out and she fell on the pavement and was killed. And the Bible says that the dogs ate her. And the courtyard was being called Jezreel ever since. That's what I want you to name your son. Your firstborn son, Hosea. I want you to name him Jezreel. Nevertheless, it was the name that God picked for Hosea's oldest boy, his first son. And that was the name Hosea gave to his baby. For he understood the bigger picture. He understood that God was thus turning and was thus warning his people. They too would be cast away if they didn't recognize their folly, the folly of their actions If they didn't turn from going after idols and giving way to abominable practices and and trying to be like everybody else around them, that they would be cast away. God was warning them with this baby's name. In the course of time, another child, a daughter, was born to Hosea. This one was named Lo-Rahama, which means not pitied. It meant that God would no longer have pity on his people if they continued their stubborn rebellion. If they, pit, if they continued their stubborn ways and going on the path that they were on, he would have no pity. His patience was wearing thin. After some hundreds of years of trying to reach this stubborn people that fought him and argued and griped and complained the whole time, they were being delivered. He was now warning them that they were getting near the end. That a time would come when he would no longer pity them, but would hand them over to an invading army. When this little girl was weaned, Gomer conceived again and bore a third child, another little baby boy. And this one God named Lo-Aman. Not my people. A little more severe this time. But God was saying, you are not my people and I will not be your God. God had said that he would name these children as a sign to his people. But there would come a day of restoration. Hosea 2 and 23, and I will have pity on not pity. And I will say to Not my people, you are my people, and he shall say, thou art my God. So that even in this time when God was announcing judgment, his grace was also being shown. Now after this, there were no more children in Hosea's household. And Gomer began to fulfill the sad prediction That God had made when he had told Hosea to marry her. What a heartbreak it it must have been to this young preacher. As he heard the whispers that began to circulate 
about his wife, about what happened when he was away working. Perhaps even his own children may have unconsciously dropped some remarks about the men who visited when daddy was away. And soon the children were left uncared for while Gomer wasted all of her time running around with these other fellows. It began to happen. It's in the book. Read it. One day, Hosea came home and found a note from Gomer. She had decided to find the the happiness that she felt she deserved. And she was leaving him and the children to follow the man she really loved. About this time, a new tone came into Hosea's preaching. He still warned of the judgment to come. The fact that God was going to send the Assyrians down across the land. But no longer did he announce it with thunder. For now, he spoke to them with tears. And he began to speak of a day when love would at last triumph. When after the bitter lessons was learned that the way of the transgressor is hard, Israel would yet turn back to the God who loved her. Instead of not pity, she would be called pitied. And instead of not my people, she would be named my people again. But poor Gomer passed from a man to man until at last she fell into the hands of a man who was unable to pay for her food and clothing. Her first lover had given her mink coats and beautiful dresses. But this one made clothes. He made her buy her own clothes from the Goodwill store. He made her make her own clothes. News of her miserable state came to the prophet, and he sought out the man she was living with. He knew where he would find him down at the local tavern. And when he met this man, the conversation may have gone something like this. Are you the man who is living with Gomer, daughter of Diblam? The man must have said, if, if it's any of your business, I am. Hosea said, well, I am Hosea. I'm her husband. I'm sure there was a tense moment that followed that statement. But the man said, what do you want? I haven't done anything wrong. Hosea said, listen, I'm not interested in causing any trouble. But I know that you're having difficulty making ends meet. And I want you to take this money that I'm giving you. And I want you to buy Gomer some clothing. And I want you to see that she has plenty of food. And if you need any more, just let me know. And I'll, I'll give you some more money. The, pran- the man probably must have thought Hosea was off his rocker. There's no fool like an old fool. If this sucker wants to give me money and pay her expenses, that's right with me. That's all right with me. So he took the money and he bought some groceries and bought her some new clothes. Now you say you may say that's a foolish thing for a man to do, but who can explain the madness of love? Love exists apart from reason, and it has its own reasons. Love does not act according to logic. It never has and it never will. Love acts according to its own nature. And so Hosea acted on the basis of love. I'm sure he watched from a distance to catch a glimpse 
of the woman he loved as she rushed out of the door to take the groceries and the new clothing from her, her boyfriend, the gifts that true love bought. Well, how long this went on, we don't know for sure, but at least at last word comes to the woman, to, to Hosea, that the woman he loved was going to be sold at the slave market. Her current husband had tried, tired of her, and, and he, he sent her off to the market to be sold as a slave. The brokenhearted prophet didn't know what to do. He went weeping to God, and God said, Hosea, do you love this woman in spite of all that she has done to you? Hosea nodded through his tears. Yes. Yes, I do. And God said, then go show your love for her in the same way that I love my children. So Hosea went to the marketplace, and I can see it so beautifully laid out. And he watched Gomer brought up and placed on the dock. And there she was. And they stripped her of all of her clothing as she stood there naked before strangers and men. The auctioneer pinched her and prodded her and showed her, showed people how strong she was. And then began the bidding. Somebody bid three pieces of silver and Hosea raised it to five. Somebody else upped it to eight and Hosea bid ten. Somebody went to eleven. He went to twelve. And then Hosea offered fifteen pieces of silver and a bushel of barley, according to the word of God. The auctioneer gavel fell, and Hosea and his beautiful wife were once together again. You must dwell as mine for many days, is what he said. He went to her, took his garment off, and placed it on her naked body, and wrapped his loving arms around her, And then follows perhaps one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. As Hosea led her away, he said to her, You must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the harlot or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. He pledged his love anew to her. And that was all this poor woman could take. She had gotten down to the very dredges of the scum of the earth in disgrace. But the love of this man broke her heart. And from this time on, Gomer was faithful to Hosea. She became an honest and faithful wife. And the rest of the book of Hosea simply goes on to tell the effect of this story upon the nation of Israel. God said to the nation of Israel... How can I give thee up? And this morning, he is speaking to somebody here. How can I give you up? He reminded them of his love for them all of those years. He reminded them of his goodness and how again and again they had turned their backs on him. But he still loved them. Does this sound like a familiar story this morning? Am I the only one that can truly relate to this story this morning? The final picture of the book is one of beauty and glory. 
For it looks at the day when God's children shall at last return to him, her true husband, and shall say, What have I to do with idols? I have seen him and heard him, and he has won my heart. God gives a wonderful prophecy at the close of chapter 5. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. And in their distress they seek me, saying, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn that he may heal us. He has stricken and he will bind us up. After two days we will, he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. He is going forth as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that watereth the earth. That's the hope of Israel and the hope of us here today. That our Messiah will yet come to us and water us and revive us and raise us up again. In the closing chapters, after all the sorrow and the heart of God, you, you come at last to the final picture in Hosea. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. You have stumbled because of your unfaithfulness. After all, it wasn't God who was to blame. He was simply trying to get them to see the truth. And the only thing that could relieve their agony is to return to their loving Father. That's always the case. God can't bless us or restore us until we come back to Him or we come to Him. And so God says, take with you my words and return to the Lord. And He will take away all of thine iniquity except that which is good. And we will render the fruit of our lips which is praise, we will begin to praise him. And Assyria is not going to save us. There's no army that's going to save us. And we will say no more, our God, the work of our hands, idolatry. In thee, the orphan finds mercy, O Lord. And the prophet adds this lesson from his own heartache, and yet in the joy of a restored love. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the upright walk in them, but the transgressors stumble in them. Can you see this beautiful story in all of its elements? In the eternal triangle? Can you, can you really visualize what God was trying to do here with his people? There is a loving God. There is a faithless human heart. The deceptive attractiveness of this world. If you want to know the truth, this is your story today. This is my story today. So many times we try to satisfy ourselves with lying idols or self importance, wealth. Maybe it's just a good time. Ours is the blindness like Gomer's. We cannot distinguish between lust and love. We pervert the word of God 
by calling ourselves Christians as we turn our back on him again and again. We try to run from God and drown our miseries in empty pleasures and drink, drugs, work, social life. But surely as we think we have escaped or, or we think we've run far enough, God touches our sleeve with a loving hand saying, my child, my name and my nature are love and I, I must act according to what I am. I must act as who I am, and that is love. When you tire of your wondering, when you tire of your questioning, and your heartbreak, he said, I'll be there to draw you into myself again. That's what the word says. That is the true story of the Bible, isn't it? That's what all of this is about. At Bethlehem, as we're going to hear coming up this month, God entered the slave market where the whole human race was up for auction. Standing, prostituting itself to humanity, standing naked before an angry mom that just wanted to use us. But God stepped in and he said, On this cross, I'm going to pay their price. On this cross, I'm going to purchase their salvation. The full price for our freedom. And he bought us back. This is the story of God's love and God's heart. His loving desire to make of his people the full person that he intended you to be. God's love for you this morning goes so far beyond what you can comprehend. And he's looking and waiting for you to return and to take his hand for the joy you can come. He's looking and he's waiting for somebody to say, I'm tired. I'm running. You can stand with me. So once again this morning, thousands of years later, right here, right now, it's happening right now, Hosea's little family is once again trying to explain to somebody how much God loves us. Let Let me tell you, Your mind and the devil will consume your thoughts to the place where you truly, truly accept that you have gone too far and that you did God too wrong. Your mind will tell you that. I don't know why I'm preaching this this morning. I'm being obedient to the word of the Lord. But somebody needs to hear me. The devil has lied to you for years. You continue to fight the same battle. 
you continue to fight the same mind games. Life has been hard. There's been a lot of strange things that's happened to you that don't understand. And here God is this morning. We've already felt him. And he's here. He's here to tell somebody, I still love you. We're naked. We're exposed. Not really knowing where to go. Not really knowing what to say. We really can't even look anybody in the eye. We're ashamed. And God's walked into the marketplace and said, I love you. I loved you from the start. We have a family together. And I don't care what's happened, but I'm here to tell you I love you again. I'm here to speak to you one more time. Let me tell you something. You want to know how this old boy gets up here and preaches the word of God? Because he's been good to me. And I respect you. And and I will give you the utmost respect. But let me tell you something right now. You will never, you will never determine whether I worship my God or not. You can lock me up and you can shut me away, but I'm still going to worship my God because I was the one on the block. I was the one naked. And he come in and he took his garment off and he laid it over my shoulders and he said, Jay, I love you, son. And my first response was, God, you can't love me because I did you wrong, Lord. You called me to preach a long time ago, and I ignored that voice. For years, I ignored that voice. For years, I battled mind, mind games that were beyond my, my understanding. But God still came in, and he said, Jay, I don't care, son. I don't care. I've purchased you. But Jay... When I purchased you, I gave you a freedom. Because the one thing, the one thing that I know about love is that you can't force love. And so, Jay, I purchased you and you're free to go. You can go this way. You can go this way. Or you can come with me. I purchased you for your freedom. And that's what it comes down to. Listen, denominations want to argue over stupid stuff. Denominations want to argue over stupid things. People let standards, people let things get in their way. And God is sitting here trying to tell you, I love you. God is sitting here trying to tell somebody, quit trying to prove me. I have already proved myself. Just follow me. God loves you this morning.
God goes to great lengths to protect his people. And he's talking to somebody this morning. God will go to great lengths to protect what is his. Let me tell you something. I I don't want to get off. Christopher Columbus was of God. What are you talking about, Jay? What are you talking about? Christopher Columbus and his mission to find a new world was supported by three Jews. In fact, many scholars believe that Christopher Columbus himself was Jewish. Spain had given the Jews three ultimatums. Said, you can convert to Catholicism, you can leave, or you can die. And God began to say, Christopher, buddy, you're about to be a part of the history books. Because I need you to go find me a new world. I need you to go find me a new nation. And I'm going to use that nation to protect my children of Israel. I'm going to use that nation to be an ally. One of the strongest allies this world has ever known. God's put things in your life that you don't even realize. And he's talking to somebody this morning. I don't care where you've been. I don't even want to hear it. I don't care where you're at. I don't even want to hear it. I purchased you with the blood on Calvary. I purchased you. And I want you to come to me this morning. And I want to commune with you. And I want to begin to talk. If that's your desire, why don't you make your way to the front right now? Why don't you begin to renew a love with the Lord? Why don't you begin to renew a relationship that's been pushed aside for quite some time? This is the morning that God has called you. This is the morning that God is talking to somebody saying, I love you and I need you.